This morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to be like a southern preacher today. I'm going to read a verse, but I'm not going to throw a fit. <laughs> I got one verse, and when you find 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I have you stand. It'll be the seventh inning or whatever inning stretch it is. 1 <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 1. I thought we'd read one verse together, and that would be verse number, let's see here, number 30. Let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. The Bible says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What a great verse. Coach, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to attempt this morning. I'm going to do just a little bit different than I normally do. Um, no, I'm not going to shut up. <clears throat> but I'm going, to, I'm going to preach a doctrinal message this morning. I think it's very necessary. And uh, it's going to be about sanctification. Sanctification is a biblical word that deals with a Christian's change of character. This word along with many other words ending in T-I-O-N or I-O-N constitute great doctrinal subjects in the authorized version King James Bible. And as Bible believers, we should be intimately familiar with sanctification. After all, uh, someone tell me this morning, this is a rhetorical question, so please don't. Someone tell me the day in your life that is more important than the day that you got saved. You see what I mean? There's no more single important day of your life than it was than the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and yet so many Christians sadly don't know much about what they got. You see, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's approximately 39 things that take place. Sanctification is one of 39. Uh, Christians today, they know more about how to make money. They know more about their favorite sports teams and the statistics related behind those sports teams. They know more about their hobbies that they sink thousands upon thousands of dollars. I'm not here to shame you this morning. I'm just saying in the subject of salvation, properly known as soteriology, don't be afraid of that word. You might want to take a note or two this morning, by the way. In the subject of soteriology, which is salvation, I just want to make sure you got it, Sanctification is a great doctrinal truth that explains the change of character in a Christian when he gets saved, while he is saved, and when he is received up into glory and receives the body like Jesus Christ. I'd like to try to preach this morning this doctrinal message and a simple definition of the word sanctification is separation. So when you hear the old timers preach about separation, you'll see that word intermingled with sanctification. 
But if you look at the Bible, you read the Bible, and you study the Bible, and you believe the Bible, <laughs> you find out that a more biblical definition of separation is, number one, to be set apart by God. That word sanctify means to set apart. Sanctification, biblically, means to be set apart by God, to be set apart for God, and then to be set apart from sin, and then, number four, to be set apart for a holy life. Uh, in the New Testament, sanctification, it actually conveys what you would consider a dual meaning. Separation from evil and separation unto God. So gaining a solid and sound understanding about sanctification will help you and I understand, number one, what God did for you when you got saved. Number two, how you actually appropriate what God has done for you. And then finally, what God promises to do upon our gathering together unto Him. I Hopefully I haven't lost you. I'm thinking that's probably pretty simple. And I know uh, sometimes it's easy to get lost in the golf ball of high weeds of theology. But if you're here today and you're saved, sanctification is something that you need to understand. And uh, unfortunately, we have gone the way of the world even in our local churches where church services therefore become psychological messages to appease man's conscience. Listen, we're here to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, no, he's the only thing worth preaching about this morning. You don't need to hear about me. I might give an illustration that might make you, make you laugh, might make you mad, but it's all about Him. He should have the highest seat in the house but inside of your salvation, don't you agree with me this morning that you should at least know a little bit about what you got the day you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Too many Christians use the Lord as a crutch. And when times get tough, here comes the Lord under their arm helping them back into the church house, helping them back into fellowship. And praise the Lord that we can always lean upon the Lord. Thank the Lord we can always use the Lord, if I can say it like that, when we're down and out, but it's much more than that. And so therefore the need of sound biblical preaching and teaching. Can I begin this message this morning by showing you the mastermind of sanctification is the Trinity. The mastermind of sanctification is the Trinity. We're going to turn to some passages this morning. This type of preaching, not because I'm doing it, don't misunderstand it, needs to come back in America. This type of preaching about doctrinal subjects, which I apologize if they come across a little bit dry, but see, you've been reprogrammed by the world to think that when you come together and you listen to someone speak, that you must be entertained. I'd rather get the truth of the matter and not be entertained. The Bible says, uh, and look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. As we begin to lay out this doctrine, hopefully this will help you. Hopefully this will stir you up, and hopefully this will help you understand sanctification as it relates to the Christian. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I give you that this morning as our first passage of Scripture to show you that it is God the Father who sanctifies. It is God the Father who sets us apart. Not only that, if you got that, go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Remember, the mastermind of sanctification, sanctification simply meaning separation, but it is much more than that, is that it author is the Trinity. 
and God the Father sanctifies in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 the Bible says that he, talking about Jesus Christ back in verse 25, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. I'm showing you this morning that the Trinity is in unity in its operation with sanctification in your life. You say, I still don't understand it. Stay with me. We've got to put the foundation on before we can build thereupon. Uh, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning in your Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we know that God the Father, He sanctifies, He separates us. Uh, we know that Jesus Christ sanctifies us, He separates us, but also God the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says that God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. So I've shown you three verses to show you that the mastermind of sanctification is the Trinity and the Trinity is all together in unity about this doctrinal subject called sanctification. It's very important for you and I to learn. But not only that, when you consider that last verse, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, you see that therefore holiness, a synonym of sanctification, holiness is not something that you accomplish. Holiness, therefore, is a gift for you and I to accept. That's one of the greatest misconceptions about sanctification. Now listen, we'll get into later about how you and I can be channels of sanctification. We can be instruments of our own sanctification. But you need to understand before we go any farther that sanctification and holiness is not something that you personally go out and accomplish. Rather, it is a gift that you must be willing to accept and you must accept it daily. Not only that, but let me show you this. The means of our sanctification. We looked at the mastermind of sanctification being the Trinity, but look at the means of sanctification. Take your Bible. We're going to turn this morning. We're going to turn John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Many of you know this verse. And verse 17, the means of sanctification. Jesus Christ, uh, this is the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we get the Lord's Prayer confused with the disciples' prayer in the garden. But this is actually the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. A lot of people say, Our Father who art in heaven, pass the bread and butter, and all that rest of that stuff. But that's actually the disciples' prayer. Here you have the actual Lord's Prayer. And in John 17, 17, He says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Can I tell you, the means of salvation, number one, is the Bible itself. If you're going to be set apart for God's use, it must come through the Bible itself. It's not going to come through your vast ability to do things and do this and go here and have this type of money and this type of job. It's not because you go to a church somewhere. It's not because you're in the family that's a pastor or a deacon or whatever, you know, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Let me tell you, the means of sanctification, according to the Bible, is the Bible itself. In Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, you might write this down, you realize that the Bible purifies. The Bible purifies. If you want to know why our airwaves are so dirty, the radio airwaves are dirty, the television airwaves are dirty, and the computer airwaves are dirty, is because there's no Bible in it. Amen. Psalm chapter 12 and verse 6, the Bible says, the words of the Lord are pure words. If you have a trouble with your purity, it's because you're not spending enough time in the Bible. Listen, if you're going to live a sanctified life, then Christian, you must spend much time in the Word of God. You say, how much time is much? <laughs> More than you're doing now. 
Amen. But the Bible itself, the Bible purifies. In Psalm 119, verse 9, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So the Bible, it purifies in Psalm 12, 6, and here the Bible cleanses in Psalm 119, verse 9. Isn't that a blessing? We're talking about how the Bible is a means of your personal sanctification to set you apart. Not only that, but Romans chapter 7, verse 7, we see the Bible purifies, the Bible cleanses, and here's the biggest one, the Bible reveals sin. I've come across Christians, you have too. You maybe even have talked to family members. You maybe talked to children that think they did nothing wrong. And you know what I've learned in the last few years of living? I understand why some of y'all don't think things are wrong because you're not in that book enough and the more you're in that book, the Bible reveals sin. Well, I don't think it's wrong. to I can understand why you don't because you don't read the Bible like you should. Amen. You read Facebook. Okay, great. Help yourself. You read the news. You read the sports. You read everything else, but you don't read the Bible like you should and that Bible is revealing sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, I had not known sin except by the law. You want to know why? You know why you think it's okay to do whatever it is you're hung up with? Because you ain't reading that book like you should. The Bible purifies, the Bible cleanses, and the Bible reveals sin. We're talking about the means of sanctification. In the New Testament alone, New Testament alone, there are 21 lists of sins. 21 lists of sins totaling 202 sins of which 103 are different. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't see that in the Bible. Of course you don't. You say, why do you say that? Because you don't read it. You read that Bible, there's 103 different sins. There's 21 lists in the New Testament totaling 202 sins. My goodness. And I tell you what, if you can't find it, you just take that verse over there in Colossians and it says, if you defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. We're doing all right this morning, aren't we? The Bible itself is a means of sanctification, I'm trying to teach you the doctrine of sanctification in a very short time. The Bible itself is a means of sanctification. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Not only the Bible, but the blood. Not only the Bible is a means of your sanctification, but the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is a means of sanctification. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, 1, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. You see it? It is right there. Sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. You say, well, how does that thing work? All right. When you read the Bible, the word reveals our sin, and then you plead the blood, the blood cleanses our sins. You see it? The word reveals it, and the blood cleanses it, and the end result is our sanctification. That is a blessing to me, means of sanctification. Well, let me give you just here number three. I want to give you some other methods of sanctification. You've seen the major means right here, the Bible itself. You've seen the blood, blood of Jesus Christ, but here's a few other methods. I'll take your Bible this morning and go over to Hebrews chapter 12, one chapter away. You realize this morning that we're sanctified by chastisement. Amen? When uh, your parents used to get after you, if you had parents that loved you, excuse me, I'll say that again. If you had parents that loved you, if you had parents that loved you, and they whooped the fire out of you, and you could put some dates on a couple of those whoopings. Amen. And good mom and dad right there. Them are biblical parents. 
This soft parent stuff is for the birds. Soft parents produce hardened criminals. You better, get, you better like them now because you're going to visit them in the jail. I'm going to get fired one of these days, but as the substitute teachers, those little uh, kids come in there, and they start running their mouth, and they'll cuss you out, and they'll, they'll say every word. I didn't even know some of them words at sixth grade. And finally, I said to the one kid, I said, one day you'll listen. He said, oh, no, I won't. I said, yes, you will. He said, where? I said, from jail. He went, but we're sanctified by chastisement. Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, that we had fathers who chastened us so far. But when God chastens us, it says that we'll be partakers of his holiness. You know why God gets after you every once in a while? It's not like you when you would accuse your parents. They're just so mean. They don't want me to have any fun. God whoops a daylight side of you every once in a while just so you'll be holy like him. God's not going to take the rod of his grace and the threshing field of his mercy and wear you out just because. Now listen, some of us all probably ought to get wore out just because. Amen. A bunch of lying Baptists, you're like, no, not me, I'm an angel. But when God does it, it's so we can be a partaker of His holiness. He never messes with us. He never wastes a swing. I had some kids. I don't name their names, but they like to dance. And I didn't always... Hit the proper placement. Let me tell you what, when God chastises you, He always hits you the right way. And He's doing it for your holiness. Well, we're sanctified by chastisement. Not only that, look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. These are the methods of sanctification. We're sanctified by chastisement. We're sanctified by seeding to God or yielding to God. Romans chapter 6, verse 19. The Bible says, Even so now... Yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. You see that? The method, other method of sanctification is simply by you yielding your members unto holiness. That's so you look at your hands in the morning and say, God, I pray that you take these hands, and I don't know what I can do with them, but I pray that whatever it is, they be done for you. And Lord, you take these feet and let me go places where I can tell people about you or be a blessing for you or I can minister to other people and I can stop looking inside and I can stop worrying about me and take these lips of clay, Lord. I pray that you bless them and I pray that everything that come out of these lips would be a, a, a pleasing to you and to be helpful to others. That's how you sanctify yourself, through yielding to God. Now on that note right there, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, this is a doctrinal message this morning. This isn't, let's just turn to a passage and you keep your Bible open the whole time and I'll just let her fly. you got to dig in with me, amen. This is a joint effort today. It takes a little bit of work from everyone to get to, and I'm pushing. I've got a lot to go, but I've got notes so I don't have to re-preach, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, you can be a channel or an instrument of your own sanctification. I want you to see this. You can also be a channel or an instrument of your own sanctification. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ain't that something? You can be your own instrument of sanctification. You say, well, what's my part? Well, your first part is seeking out sin in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's not as easy as you think. Why? Because you're so busy looking at everybody else's sin. Amen. 
You're supposed to seek out your own. So you know what David said in Psalm 139, 23? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Don't be worried about anybody else. Well, preacher, if you saw them, I don't want to see them. My goodness. I got a mirror at the house. I got a mirror right here. It's called the King James Bible. I need to seek out my own sin. Well, preacher, what they're doing, I'm sure it is really bad. I'm sure some of y'all could tell me all the gory deals. I don't want to know it. I don't want to mar my conscience. But our part is to seek out your own sin. You know what our part is? 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. Once you seek out your own sin, Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one, if we would judge our sins, we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged with the world. Our first part is to seek out the sin. Our second part is to judge the sin. Whenever you sin, you seek that thing out and then you go after it. And you say, that thing I just did right there or that thing that I said or the way that I acted or the pride that I had when I was over here, it was wrong. Lord, I know it was wrong and I judge it and I know I ought to be in hell right now for it. But thank God I can't because I'm saved. You seek it out and then you judge it. When was the last time you judged your own sin? We do this kind of thing. Well, you know, uh, at least I didn't murder nobody. <laughs> you hang around young as long enough, you want to murder somebody, amen? But that's what we do. We justify it. But you've got to seek it out, and then you've got to judge it. Well, what's our part beyond that? Well, it's real simple. Uh, once you uh, seek it out, and then you judge it, our part is to Proverbs 28, 13, you cast that sin away. Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He that confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. So you seek out the sin in your own life. Stop looking at everybody else's. You judge the sin. You say, Lord, I know that thing's wrong. And then you cast it away. And you kick it to the curb. And you don't chase after it. Lord, I'm, t- I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I acted that way. I never want to do it again. Help me to leave it. And I forsake it. And you go the other way. You cast it away. You get rid of the subscriptions. Or whatever it is that's hanging you up you got to cast that thing away, and not only that, once you cast it away, you can't stop. You can't stop. A lot of times you work real hard at getting rid of sin. Well, I didn't sin like I normally do, right? Some weeks are good, right? But then, once you cast that thing away, you have to prepare for cleansing. We're talking about sanctification, setting yourself apart for God's use. You have to set yourself apart. You have to prepare yourself for cleansing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, that we should cleanse ourselves. It is not my job as your pastor to cleanse you. It is not your neighbor's job. It is not your wife's job. It is not your husband's job. One of the jobs, it's your job to cleanse yourself from filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. That means those outwardly physical things that people could see if they saw them, you get rid of those. And that stuff that you can't see inside like pride, arrogancy, all that stuff that nobody can see, right? You get rid of that too. You cleanse yourself. You clean up as a Christian. You prepare for cleansing. And then finally, our part is to avail ourselves to prayer and the promises of the Word of God. The Word of God is full of promises. We're doing all right this morning. This is a doctrinal message. It's very concrete, found throughout the Scriptures. I've already given you over 32 Scripture references on sanctification. That's how you build your faith. Scripture and Scripture, line upon line, here a little and there a little. I'm trying to help you understand sanctification this morning. Those are other methods of sanctification. Here's the thing this morning, Christian. The secret of a holy life is a life that is in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that's a daily life. 
Your degree of sanctification is in direct relation to your appropriation of the Lord, His Word, and His promises. You might own a 308 Winchester, amen? It might sit in the gun cabinet, but unless you get over there and put a round into the chamber and rack it in, unless you aim at preferably the right target, and unless you pull the trigger, you cannot appropriate its benefits. And I'm saying this morning, your degree of sanctification, your degree of separation, is in direct relation to your appropriation of the Lord by His Holy Spirit and His Word. Can I show you just a little bit about the multiple tenses of sanctification? Maybe this will help you understand what it is altogether. Thank you very much. Take your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 11 if you would. Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to the Corinthian believers. And he talks about uh, all kinds of mess up in verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, or drunkards, and revilers, and extortioners, so forth and so on, sins that uh, even Christians commit. But look at verse 11. He says, and such were, were, were. You see it? Such were some of you, like as in not no more. I don't know if that's good English, but that's the truth, amen. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want to show you the first tense is instantaneous sanctification, and that happened in the past. You say, when did it happen, preacher? Well, for me, it was April 24th, 1983, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was instantaneously sanctified by God the Father. You see that? That moment, you see what Paul says, and such were some of you, but ye are what? Ye are sanctified. The first tense is past tense. If you're here today and you're saved, you're a born-again child of God, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were sanctified in the past. You say, what does that mean? It said that simply means this. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is really good. You were delivered from the penalty of sin. Never to face the flames of hell again. You say, well, I doubt my salvation. That's on you. That's not on God. You doubt your salvation because you refuse to get in the book. You doubt your salvation because you refuse to be faithful in regular sessions of Bible reading and prayer. You doubt your salvation because of sin in your life, and you doubt your salvation because your unfaithfulness to the church of God that will help you get solidification on it. Don't you blame God on that. But when you trusted Jesus, we're doing all right? When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were sanctified, past tense, that very moment, done, and you were delivered from the power of sin. I'm sorry, the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. Not only that, I want you to see this. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. You have instantaneous sanctification that happened in the past. Now notice the progressive sanctification which is in the present. Progressive sanctification, which is in the present. And this is where a lot of people get things all messed up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says his converts there in Thessalonica, he said, this is the, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That's a present tense that you abstain from and so forth and so on. You see that? That's a present tense. You say, what does that mean? Well, that simply means this. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, not only were you delivered from the penalty of sin, but now, as they sang day by day, 
and moment by moment, you have the power of God inside of you to deliver you from the power of sin. That's what you need to see that as. That is the present tense of sanctification. You have within your grasp, within the Holy Spirit, the power to, be, uh, to get delivered from the power of sin. That means that if you sin today, it's simply because you wanted to. You're dead to sin, the Bible says. And if you sin, it's because you chose to sin, not because the devil made you do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3 there. Uh, it's the will of God to be sanctified. And of course, in John chapter 17, verse 17, he says, Sanctify them, present tense, through thy truth. That's the present tense of sanctification. So we looked at the past tense, right? The moment you trusted Jesus Christ, you were sanctified. What a blessing. Now, moment by moment and day by day, you're being sanctified progressively. That's your separation. That's you getting set apart for God's use. That's you appropriating the promises of God uh, through the Word and His Holy Spirit. And so finally here we have what's called future or final sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, the Bible says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. You say, that's a great verse. That should be a motivational verse. You go back to verse 23. He's talking about preserving your body, soul, and spirit blameless at the day of Christ. You say, what does that mean? That means one day, when that trumpet sounds and blows, and we blast out of here and mock whatever that is, or ten and so forth and so on, we're going to have a body just like Jesus Christ. You believe that this morning? Amen. Take your Bible, go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I mean, someone say amen this morning. The body you got shot. The body you got's no good. We're not talking about, well, I don't like how it looks, and I don't like how my hair parts. I'm talking about the pieces and the parts are breaking down. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, who shall change our vile body and shall be fashioned unto his glorious body. Woo, and be a blessing will that be, amen? Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, we do not know what we shall be, but we shall know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We'll have a body just like Jesus Christ. That means one day because you trusted Jesus Christ, for me it was April 24th, 1983, he delivered me from the penalty of sin, and now day by day and with each passing moment, he's delivering me from the power of sin, and I have the power because the Holy Spirit of God is in me, and I'm in that Bible every single day, that one of these days when that trumpet blows, he's going to deliver us, and give us the body like Jesus Christ, that is our final sanctification. It's the adoption of the body. I might be a little fired up about that. Can I give you a quick mindset behind sanctification? We're almost done. That's multiple tenses of sanctification, but here's the mindset. You say, okay, why be sanctified? Why not? Hey, if I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, right? Amen. Well, I'm just going to go out here and live my life for me. You can do that. I don't suggest it, but you can do that. You see how quiet it got? Some of you are like, oh, I can't believe he just said that. You ever read over there in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 21? Aren't you free? You're free. I mean, when you trusted Jesus Christ, didn't, didn't the prison door open, swing wide open? And the Lord said, come on out. Son, you're free. 
do you have to serve him now to go to heaven? Do you have to do a certain thing to make it there? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves are the gift of God, not of works. So good works never saves a man, and bad works never unsave a man. You got that? You say, well, what if I don't want to? Do whatever you want. That's how much God loves you. I don't suggest it. But you don't have to serve him. You say, preacher, <laughs> you're not going to build a church. Look, I ain't trying to build a church. I'm trying to feed sheep. And the last thing a sheep needs to know, think around here is he's got to go do this, 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 give that amount, and act this way and dress this way to be accepted in the presence of God. Listen, we're talking about sanctification. If you're right with God and in fellowship with him, that present tense sanctification where you're trying to set yourself apart for God's use, that thing will be right here. But you don't have to. Not to get to heaven. Now, you want to be in fellowship with God? Okay. Now, there's something else totally different. Now, the mindset, I want you to think with me now. Look at John chapter 17, verse 19. Here's one of the most interesting passages of scriptures in the King James Bible, in my opinion only. 1719. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's perfect. He's 100% God. He is 100% man. Amen? Say, explain it. I can't, but I believe it. The Bible says so. But notice here in John chapter 17, verse 19, what he says. Lord Jesus Christ, he says, And for their sakes I, what? Sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Isn't that wild? The Lord Jesus Christ, no sin, no blemish, no guile, no spot. When, he, when they reviled, he reviled not again, yet he sanctified himself. He set himself apart for God's use. Didn't he say in, uh, what is it, Romans chapter, uh, uh, he said Romans chapter 15 verse 3, Paul says, for even Christ pleased not himself. He said in the book of John, was it chapter 8 around 29 to 34, I do always those things that please him. So here you have Jesus Christ in all his perfectness, that's not the right word, perfection, thank you, <laughs> perfection, Never sinned, never did anything wrong, and he's still stretching. He's still not trying to please himself. He's still trying to go farther. He's still trying to obey the Father in all aspects, in more ways, trying to be more separated and more sanctified. You say, what's the mindset? If Jesus Christ saw the need to sanctify himself, then I should too. That's the mindset. If Jesus Christ wanted to go farther in his relationship with the Father, always wanted to obey, always wanted to improve. The Bible even says he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. But man, I must sanctify myself too. The King of kings and Lord of lords came in the mindset of sinful flesh and he sanctified himself. I have a hard time trying to understand that. But if Jesus Christ felt the need to sanctify himself, then I must too. Well, not only that, but the mindset behind sanctification 
is this. Most, this is one of those ambiguous statements, like it, lump it, or take it to the river and dump it. Most Christians' growth are stunted. So I need to grow. That's the mindset behind sanctification. You live in a generation, in a day and age, where now there is no homework in school. You know why? Because you are governed by a humanist society. Man is the means of all things, and man has arrived. And look at what it's producing. But most Christians, that stuff's slipping right into the church. No Bible study, no Bible study, no Bible reading, no prayer, no nothing. Most Christians grow through a stunt. Let me tell you what, if I'm going to sanctify myself, I'm going to set myself apart for God's use, if I'm going to set myself apart from sin, if I'm going to separate myself unto God, if I'm going to separate myself unto a holy life, I have got to grow. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. You got to grow, Christian. You got to grow. And the only way you're going to grow is through that book. Falling in love with those blessed pages will make you love the Rock of Ages. You got to love those pages. You got to start turning the pages. Stop reading all those quotes. The quotes ain't going to get you through life. Start reading the pages of that book. Start spending regular sessions of Bible reading, regular sessions of prayer. Regular sessions of trying to tell others about Jesus Christ, even if they don't listen, even if it costs you work, even if it costs you family and friends and finances, even if it costs you all whatever your hopes and dreams are, you have to sanctify yourself. Present tense. That's the mindset. That's the mindset. I'm coming to a close here. The only way to grow is by studying the book. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 talks about that book as how you may grow thereby. You want to grow as a Christian? you got to read the book. you got to read the book. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul says, I commend you to the Lord and His Word, which is able to build you up. You know what the society is all about? Let's build other people up. You can't do it with words. You have to do it with the Word. That's what will build you up, that book. And that's why Christians are stunted in their growth because they won't get in the book. They won't read the book. They won't study the book. You can't live on Sunday alone. You have to read the book. You have to study the book. You have to learn to sanctify yourself. And finally, number five, the materialization. We ran with some M's today. The result of sanctification. Yes, preacher, put this thing in the garage and let's go home. First of all, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14... The result of sanctification is we have Christ's righteousness. The moment you got saved, you received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a blessing? I mean, He took all your sins and He took all your wickedness and He took them unto Himself and He gave you His righteousness. That's justification. But you have Christ's righteousness. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. The Bible says, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's a blessing. You've got Christ's righteousness in this life now, the present tense. Romans chapter 6, 22. We have, you ready? Fruit unto holiness. We have the ability now that we are saved to produce fruit 
unto holiness. When you, were, when you were lost, you couldn't produce any fruit unto holiness. You know what you did? You did whatever your daddy told you. If the devil told you to do it, then you did it. And you never questioned your daddy. But see, now that you're a child of God, your father's given you a free will. He's given you the ability to choose whether you're going to love him or not, serve him or not, grow or not, produce fruit or not. Romans chapter 6, verse 22, the Bible says, But now, now, present tense, being made free from sin and become servants to God, we have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. If you look up in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, you know the, the cool part? I just said cool from the pulpit. Cool part about being a servant? It's voluntary. You don't have to. You say, I want to. Me too. I want to serve him. You say, but you could go, you could go live your, preacher, you could go and do whatever you want. You get a brand new 2024 GMC Denali. Eh, he's thinking Ford, but I'm thinking GMC, you know. He could. I could. I'd still be saved. I said, bought a Ford. You see what I mean? Service is voluntary. But if you're going to be a servant, then you have to sanctify yourself. You have to set yourself apart for God's use. And maybe he'll give you denial. He just probably won't be a 24. That's a joke this morning. Let me give the last one here. We're done. The final result of sanctification is this, conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Not like acting like him, like you're going to get a body like him, like we preached about. We have the mind of Christ now, not the omnipotent mind, not the omniscient mind, not the omnipresent mind, not the all-knowing mind, but we have the mind of Christ because we have been baptized into His Spirit, not water, that's a spiritual baptism. But one day, (laughs) we're going to be just like Jesus Christ. And you'll never be wrong again. Right, men? That'd be a blessing. All these years, all those fights you've been wrong. And you've had to apologize even though you didn't want to. You'll never have to apologize again. Amen. The final result of sanctification is conformity to the image of Jesus Christ when he comes back for us at the rapture. And he'll change our vile body. Christian, I want to ask you this. Is there a longingness in your soul for holiness? Is there a longingness in your soul for sanctification? Is there a longingness in your soul for purity and power? Do you long for Christ's likeness? Do you long for greater conformity to the image of God's Son? Great. Good. Excellent if you do. Then confess your sins. Confess your need to Him and confess your need of Him. Confess your need of Him and He will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. You say, what's the price? The price is to be willing to part with your sin. The price is to be willing to live a life of implicit obedience to the truth He gives you in the pages of His Word. 
Is there a longingness in your soul for sanctification today? As Elizabeth comes, I want to bring this thing to a close. You want to live a sanctified life? Say, I do, preacher. I'm not quite sure I understand it all, but I sure do want to live a sanctified life. Then be faithful in regular sessions of reading the Bible. Be faithful in regular sessions of prayer. Be faithful in your witnessing and living for others. Living for others. Be faithful in sessions of ministering to others. You got to stop looking within. You got to stop being discouraged. You got to look up. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Why not ask the Lord to fill you with His Holy Spirit today at this altar? You know what it'll do? It'll drive you to your knees in prayer, it'll drive you to the Word of God. It'll drive you out to the world of unsaved people to witness and testify of Him, of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. The sanctification, just a simple little word in the King James Bible. Faithful is he that calleth, who also will do it. Why not come down to this altar this morning and sanctify yourself? If the Lord spoke to you, just come speak to Him this morning.